0: You are listening to the Riding NFL DFS podcast with Pat James. Welcome everybody to the Ride in DFS and Betting podcast. We are creeping ever so close to the 2020 NFL season one that you know was in some serious doubt. Over the last five months, a lot of speculation uh, throughout the course of the summer on if this season would take place. Um, thankfully, it looks like we are going to get an NFL season. I hope they do it, you know, correctly and all the testing, contact tracing. Um, quarantining and everything that the players have to do throughout the season i hope it's minimal but i hope they do it in a way that um, is beneficial for the health and safety of all of the players okay before i get into cash game strategy the first thing i want you guys to do is while you're listening to this you know the, the audio will not cut out if you just go back one or two you know hit the back button back button and scroll down rate this podcast five stars, please. And then you can come on back and join us in our cash game strategy. I'll wait. Just kidding. But seriously, I would love a rating and review, especially around this time of the year. You know, all the podcasts that were kind of dormant throughout the spring and summer, um, NFL-wise, are starting to kick back up. And I would hate to lose uh, my place in, in the search results, in the rankings, etc. Um, I know it sounds uh, a bit weird asking for ratings and asking for a ranking for the podcast. However, it's vital to keeping it free as, you know, many companies and entities aren't going to want to advertise on a podcast that no one listens to. Ratings, subscriptions... Uh, reviews etc shoot the podcast up the charts it gets listened to more it gets more sponsorships it remains free to you and everybody is happy okay so the first thing we are going to do is talk about contest selection within cash games um, uh, this is basically my entire process uh, outside of exactly telling you eg- which players to play, right? Because this is just an overall view of how I attack the week. First thing I do is I open up DraftKings and reserve as many single entry double ups as I can that fit within my bankroll allotment. Now, if you go back and listen to the Cash Line episode, I will tell you that I try to get as many 5, 10, 25 single entry double ups loaded up as possible then i will um, i'll also uh throw i will max enter the two dollar because the two dollar cash line in double ups in the met in the multi-entry the one where you can enter like a hundred two dollar lineups is similar to the single entries um i will not touch the multi-entry double ups outside of the two dollar from there, I will um, scoop some head-to-heads, post some head-to-heads, uh, but a lot of times I will wait until Sunday to start scooping head-to-heads. Um, it just makes sense to me, at least I tell myself this, that you know the people that really aren't paying much attention to the NFL week-to-week and are just throwing together a hodgepodge lineup are doing so very late in the week, right? It's very late Saturday night or um after they wake up hung over on sunday morning they're just firing head to heads into the lobby so to scoop i to scoop and post really i i wait very very uh late into the day saturday and then sunday i'll do it as well um i just for some reason and, and i don't have any stats to back this up but i just feel as though the people that are you know scooping and posting Monday through Friday uh, are the same people that are doing their research and putting in pretty sharp lineups. Could be wrong, um, but it has worked for me so far. So that's the first one. Contest selection is huge. Get those single entry double ups fired up. Get those head-to-heads scooped and posted um, a little bit later in the week. I'll also look for some three-man and five-man that I think um, I I don't I'm not going to post those but I will look on Sunday late if any of them need another guy or two I'll throw my cash lineup in a bunch of those as well. So that's the first one contest selection is key you guys know me I am a pretty heavy cash game grinder right so I don't care if I come out with like a 10 or 20 percent ROI week, that's fine with me. Um so I'm at about a 90% cash game, 10% tournament player. You guys can adjust that based on how risk averse you are. Number 2 is to take the free square. Now, There have been less free squares over the last year or two than there were, you know, when I started playing uh, Daily Fantasy like seven years ago. Um, And what I mean by free square is a guy that everybody is on, right? Um, I don't know. Let's let's give an example. Joe Mixon twists his ankle on Thursday in practice. All of a sudden, Giovanni Bernard is the starter. He's 4,500. Back in the day, he'd have been absolute minimum 3k which was an auto lock but these days they do price up the backups a little bit better as if they were to be starting so you you get them for 4500 5500 something like that Um, but take the free square right so and and i'll tell you why a free square is basically someone whose pricing just does not match up with the opportunity that they are going to have whether it's a backup quarterback being thrust into a starting role or a backup running back or just for for whatever reason DraftKings algorithm messes up a little bit and just prices somebody way below what they should be um I could think you know maybe Will Fuller of last year when he had that monster 50 point fantasy game as like a 4K wide receiver it would it just made sense and like half the half the league was on him he was like 50% owned in double ups Um, so those free squares, quote unquote, free squares, the guys that everyone's going to be on, they're going to be like 70 to 80 to even like 90% own in double ups because they are such a good value. Something happened. There was a suspension, an injury, whatever. When pricing came out and you're going to see a lot of that in week one, because, you know, pricing comes out two, three, four weeks before the season starts. But in general, those guys that are just you know, bargain basement prices, and now they are going to be starting. And, you know, they're priced as if they're getting eight touches, eight opportunities, eight targets, whatever it may be, and now they're running back getting 20 uh, touches or a receiver projected for 12 targets at 4K, something like that. You just have to get them in your lineup. This is why. So let's play out the scenario of Giovanni Bernard... Being the lead back, and this has happened in the past. That's why I'm using this example. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen this year. I know Trayvon Williams is going to take carries away if Mixon is out or what have you. But let's just use Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon as the example. Joe Mixon is slated in at 7K. Um, They are playing the Browns. Looks like a good matchup. Unfortunately, he goes down with an injury in practice during the week. Now we have a Giovanni Bernard at 4500 getting all the touches, all the all the backfield targets. And he is projected to be 80% owned in double-ups. So, if Giovanni Bernard smashes, right? He he pays off that 4500 K salary swimmingly. He goes for 23 DraftKings points you and and you didn't roster him right you are severely severely behind the 8 ball in all of your double up contests because not only did everybody roster giovanni bernard sharply and get you know 6x value on their player but they also got it from a very cheap player which means the rest of their roster has much more upside than yours if you also didn't find a $4,500 player that went off for 23 or 24 points, which, you know, it would be very, very hard to do. Now, if if you do roster him like the other 80% of the double up, and he boss, he only goes for 7 or 8 DraftKings point. well, everybody in the contest is in the same boat, right? So do you see how it is imperative that you take the free square. There is very little downside. If everybody in the con- in the contest has him, uh, for the most part, and he doesn't do well, well, everybody has him, he doesn't do well, and it's an eight-man roster to win the thing. If he does smash, though, and you don't have him, you are at a severe disadvantage. So these guys, and I'm not just saying to play chalky players in general, I'm saying these guys that are going to be absolute uber- Chalk over 60 70 80 percent owned, those type of players desperately need to be in your cash game lineups. The next thing I want to do is talk about how I go uh, about identifying the players that I want in my lineup. All right, so let's first start at quarterback. Um, throughout the years, the the philosophy on quarterback has changed pretty drastically. Um, for me. What I really want to do, there's a few boxes that I like to check at quarterback. Number one is rushing upside. Um, I'm always looking to get a guy that can tack on a passing touchdown in rushing yards. You know, get three, four points, 30, 40 yards on the ground. So, you know, guys last year like Josh Allen, like Kyler Murray, even Gardner Minshew, um, you know, has that ability to scramble and this year, I think it might be Joe Burrow. You know, he he did a, he's a very mobile uh, quarterback. You know, he reminds me of Aaron Rodgers to an extent. And because, you know, he's not a guy that's going to pull the ball down, tuck it and run uh, on purpose, right? But if he gets flushed and, or if there's a bootleg, a rollout, and he sees a corner that he can turn, he'll turn it just like Rodgers. Right, they're not. There's no designed runs for Aaron Rodgers for the most part. Um, But he has the ability. He has the mobility to pick up six, seven, eight yards if everything else breaks down. And if you do that a couple times a game, you know you're tacking on a passing touchdown. Um, So I definitely like to roster guys that have the ability to add two, three, four points in rushing yards or touchdowns or. What have you? The next thing I do is at quarterback is look for teams that are going to score points, right? Points is one of the most correlated factors with all fantasy players. However, with quarterbacks mostly because they're not getting points per reception, they're not you know you know their yardage is twenty five per point on DraftKings. Um, so the the way they rack up points quarterbacks is passing touchdowns rushing touchdowns and rushing yardage right so those are the three stats that I look at mostly for cash games that is going to give you a big floor now whether I spend up or spend down at quarterback depends on the week Um, I will always try to spend it down as much as I can and get the cheapest quarterback because quarterback is always going to have the ball in their hand they're always going to be the focal point of the offense for the most part So the range of outcomes from the top to the bottom options is not going to be as wide at quarterback as it will be at the other positions. However, there will be weeks where there is just no one in that lower tier uh, or even middle tier and you may have to sacrifice and spend up a little bit um, towards the top for a quarterback. That definitely does happen. Um, maybe there's bye weeks to most of the, you know, the, the mobile quarterbacks that are cheap or, you know, pretty much it just shakes out where the matchups and, you know, the Vegas over-unders just don't really compute to having a, a cheap quarterback um, on your roster that week. And that's okay. You can spend up a little. At running back, this is as simple as it gets. I am trying to bake in as much opportunity as of three down running backs as possible i want guys like christian mccaffrey i want guys like saquon barkley dalvin cook etc in that first rb spot and then i'll i'll even try to get two of those guys um but you know a lot of times the the salary just doesn't work out you're gonna have to drop down to you know a second tier ish like i mentioned um Austin Eckler, when he was carrying the bulk of the load in those first couple weeks, he was huge. A guy like Joe Mixon. Basically, I'm trying to get three pass-catching running backs. Hopefully, they are their team's goal line back and feature back as well, but three pass-catching running backs for sure. I don't usually allot a specific amount of salary, like say I want to spend $20,000 on running backs out of the $50,000, but... Um, you know, I would say spend 40% to 50% of your cap on you know, running backs that just see a ton of opportunity because of that at wide receiver. I am going to go after those mid to lower wide receivers most weeks now don't get me wrong there's going to be weeks where it works out where you don't have a stud running back right maybe McCaffrey's on by or maybe the matchups are just not great at the top and you go two or three mid-level running backs it may happen Uh, not often for me in the last seven years uh, but I'm not speaking in absolutes um, but just general rules so because I am paying up massively at running back I, I usually can't get to the top-tier wide receivers, and that's okay. Because those guys, you know, wide receiver is a highly volatile position. It's tough to pay eight dollars k for a guy like Michael Thomas, even though you know he's going to get 10, 12 targets, because the act of catching a 20, 30-yard pass uh, is, a, is a lot more volatile than getting a handoff like a running back does or getting a swing pass or a check down like a running back does. Right. So their points are just so much more guaranteed because the nature at which they accrue points doesn't require this act of pitching and catching um, that uh, from a week to week basis can kind of go awry. Right. Michael Thomas can get 12 targets, but go five for 50 and then you're cooked. Um, If, Christian McCaffrey gets 10 targets, he's probably catching six, seven, eight of them um, and adding the rushing yards uh, on top of them with the, the goal line work, things like that. So what I do is I look towards mostly guys that I think are going to pile up targets um, at wide receivers, but you know they're not high profile wide receiver ones that are priced in the 789Ks. And this is guys like, you know, Jamison Crowder, Christian Kirk, Julian Edelman, Stephen Sims, Golden Tate, DJ Chark. Um, You know, these small, a lot of times slot receivers, a lot of times um, secondary receivers uh, on their respective teams that have high floors, right? That are going to see seven, eight targets for 4K or for 5K and we know are going to catch you know, five, six passes, hopefully fall into the end zone. Um, It's just, for me, it's been a a proven way to succeed in cash games. Uh, At the end of the year, looking back on, you know, how many weeks were profitable, how many weeks weren't, this has been the way that I have been uh, profitable in cash games. And like I said, there's going to be weeks that are the exception to the rule, where there's just not running backs to pay up for or, There's a guy like Chris Godwin or Juju Smith-Schuster or the obvious Michael Thomas, who is just too good of a value. You know, the game is going to be a shootout. You think he's going to get like 14 targets. You put a high-profile wide receiver in your lineup, but those will be few and far between for me. And then at tight end, there are two ways I go about Um, checking boxes for tight ends. Obviously, you know, tight ends are used a lot near the goal line, so I will oftentimes try to take a cheap tight end who's on a team that I think is going to score a ton that week, or I will go for a a negative game script tight end, you know, a a 3 or 4K tight end that I think's team's going to be trailing, maybe a few extra, you know, targets in, hurry up and just try to get like a 5 for 60 game out of a 3k tight end that is the way that I build uh, my offensive players in a cash game defense I basically just look at offensive line versus defensive line you know 4 for 4 has really good um, write-ups on which you know offensive lines are going to be overpowered in a given week because of a, a skillful defensive line you know you could look at sack rates Things like that. Basically, I just pick the cheapest defense um, in the absolute best situation. Uh, So, and that's pretty much it. That is how I go about attacking cash games on a week to week basis. Um, Real quick, you know, all the single entry double ups that I can, scoop and post head to heads later in the week take the free square if it's there meaning you know if a a player has been thrust into a starting role but is still priced like a backup you absolutely lock them into your cash game as for you know a quick positional breakdown quarterback i try to check the rushing yard rushing touchdown and then overall touchdown boxes Um, basically the first thing i do is look and see which mobile rushing quarterbacks are available and give some preference to them because of how high their floor can be with rushing touchdowns and rushing yards. If none of those are available, then I just basically want to take the cheapest quarterback that I think is going to throw the most touchdowns on the week, have the best offensive output. At running back, I try to build the most opportunity into uh, three spots both running back spots and the flex spot um, by baking in the most opportunity, you know, trying to get those absolute studs in that we know are going to get a ton of carries receptions, and all the goal line work. Um, oftentimes, you know, that flex running back uh, or the third running back tends to be a little bit cheaper of a running back that has a big pass catching role. Um, but for the most part, you know, 40 to 50 percent of my salary cap every week is spent at the running back position which tends to uh, push me towards middle to cheaper wide receivers that are usually slot type receivers that are just going to get peppered with targets short low a dot targets that we could count on uh, to be caught and to raise the floor same thing with the tight end Um, you know if I don't think there is a high volume tight end in the cheap area. I will try to slot in a, a tight end that I think has a lot of tup- touchdown upside that week. And then I am looking at, you know, defensive pressure ratings versus offensive line sack rates and playing, you know, the cheapest one that I think is viable there and that is you know 99% of the time how I attack cash games like I said there are going to be caveats there are going to be weeks where you there is a, a expensive quarterback that you try to get in or there isn't you know high price running backs there isn't three um, you know opportunity laden running backs that you can get into your lineup so there are exceptions to the rule but that is just a general outline of how I would recommend going after DraftKings NFL DFS Cash Games this year. Okay, as always, at Pat James DFS on Twitter. If you haven't, go rate the podcast. If you're looking for more than just a short quick breakdown this year on the podcast, and you want to get my full detailed thoughts and specific you know uh, ranked cash game plays. 4for4.com, DFS subscription, and if you are looking for showdown advice, I'll be writing some showdown stuff over at Fantasy Points. Let's try to bink another King of the Beach ticket again this year. All right, guys. Talk to you later. You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James.